Well, this is Duo Dickinson. I'm an architect. But more importantly, this is WPKN 89.5 FM on your radio dial and streaming at www.wpkn.org. You can even drop the www. Those things are all good, but the most important thing right now, and this is the most important thing, is if you like this or you like the show that came before the legendary Carl J. Frano and and had appearances by Harry Minot and others, if you like this radio station, and I do, but if you like the diversity and amazing content of this station, you really do have to donate some money now. 203-331-9756. Because this is not a place that has got Um, corporate sponsors lined up. It's not a place that has advertising. It is truly community radio. And the community has never been more in evidence in the new studios that are being built literally right now as we speak. And those, those costs, which enable the survival of this radio station, those costs have to be paid. And without those elements being paid, this radio station does not exist. So please... Call 203-331-9756 and make a donation. There are all sorts of things you can do. You can also go on the webpage and find stuff there as well. But the truth is, donate. And the reason why you might want to donate is because things like this, this show, Homepage Radio, would not exist without it. And this show would also not exist without Rod Richardson, the single greatest beard in this room right now. Well, considering you also have a beard, I take that as a high compliment. So, uh, thank you. It's an extraordinary beard, one that if it was television, people would be passing out with joy looking at it. Uh, or, or running for the exits. Don't it, set it, it on fire, Rod. Do I, not. I, no, I, I, I stopped doing impressions of yellow beard years ago. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah so here we yes I actually strongly recommend you go to the website to make your donation so that way you can continue to listen to homepage radio with Duo Dickinson absolutely because if you're on the phone with one of our spiffy phone volunteers and that's a lovely conversation as well you'll be missing this entire discussion of uh, outside home outside yeah well this well we see uh, not only is he an engineer he's also my announcer and so and so essentially this is one of the ongoing series of homepage radio programs that deals with your home because every human has a home whether it's rented or owned or expensive or cheap or even just free under a bridge or in the back seat of your car every single person has a place to live in Connecticut and it really is in Connecticut mostly and in other places like it dirt and homes tend to come together. Single-family homes that have landscapes, that have yards, places. Well, even things like, you know, uh, gardens on rental terraces or gardens on your your door sill, I mean, your windowsill. Those things all are part of the human desire to be part of the growing world around you. And this show comes at a point where the frenzy of garden preparation is finally maybe over for a lot of us. The, the planting, the, prep, the um, weeding, the stuff that we've done to sort of set up what's going to grow now for the next two or three months is kind of behind us. And my thought, as I was driving in today, actually, is that, you know, this is this, is this time 
where right now in this little microclimate of the Northeast, we've had an unbelievably fair late spring and early summer. It's been amazingly beautiful. And our thoughts, because of the beauty, but also because we're human beings, are really now outdoors, especially at the end of of a year plus incarceration that we've had within our homes. And after we've raked out and mowed and planted, maybe fertilized, maybe even weeded, but 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 beyond this gardening regime that, that we developed and I did during during the, the plague this the, this last year, um, we may be thinking about our relationship that we almost never think about. How where we live has a connection with our yard. And I can just, you have to forgive me. What I'm going to do is give you a, a very short anecdote about about my own home. We we created the place we live. My wife, Liz, and I built this place 37 years ago. And it was on a glacial moraine that has literally no sun, is salt infested, tons of rocks, terrible soil, nothing grows. And so, of course, over the last 37 years, I created 23 places that killed a lot of plants, but plants seem to have grown and replaced and changed as, as everything changed. Well, in, when things change, trees die and or fall down. So a tree died to our south and, and actually that tree is going to be cut up and reused as part of the WPKN's new studios. Well, another tree blew down in that nor'easter that happened last fall and came within a sixteenth of an inch of hitting our barn. And it was a 180-year-old white oak tree. Well, in doing that and the cleanup that followed, the entire south side of our home, part of our home, was able to receive light for the first time, I'm guessing, in 100 years. It actually got light. So instead of leaving it alone and letting the weeds grow back or something else, I decided to now plant 25 things. And about five are going to die, but some seem like they're okay. But that impetus, that impetus to control something that's that's a point of opportunity, is what this show is about. So after COVID, this time we've all had this amazing alone time with where we live. It might just be a good time, after we sort of stabilize things after the spring, that we stop thinking about plant, 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 and we actually think, think, think to create a long-term relationship with a place that we often leave out in the cold. We often only notice our yard when something is desperately wrong. Like I say, a tree falls, or a septic system fails, or a fence just collapses. What, what, what do we look for now that we often ignore until it's too late? What do we actually make our yard do to become a joy rather than a guilt trip? Do we even think about the compass points? What's south? What's north? How do we catch or avoid the sun? Are, are the deer feasting? What are the consequences of making either a trellis or a deck or a fire pit? I mean, is the lawn sucking all our gas, creating too much carbon? Are there alternatives? Are there, are there places in your yard which are, or, or dirt which are unending mud, just have no growth, or they just scorched earth? So what can we do? What can we do before we bake in a few weeks? Or maybe we put it off to the fall with some planning and thought. Because our dirt... Even if it's dirt on our windowsills to grow plants, dirt is inherently part of our humanity. It's, it's what we care about. So on Homepage Radio this week, we have three incredible people that spend their lives dealing with dirt. And they will tell us the, about their own homes and about their own attitudes. Because every home on Homepage is unique. 
and the guests are unique as well, and the listeners, each and every one of you, are unique. So, in this little musical interlude, I would ask you to call 203-331-9756, or just go to the website and, and see if there's something there that strikes your fancy. So when I come back on Homepage Radio on WPKN 89.5 FM on your dial, we'll be talking to Nancy Dubruel Clemente, who had created Nature Works in 1983. And we'll be talking to her about her garden and her relationship with her yard. Hey, welcome back to Homepage Radio. Once a month, the fourth Thursday of every month, I, Duo Dickinson, am creating an hour for everyone to hear about everything everybody has, which is our home, where we live. And this week's episode is called Homepage Outside. It's really easy to get caught up in all the trappings of the individual colors, um, technologies, furniture, decoration, of the insides of our home. In fact, that has been our obsession during COVID when we couldn't really leave our homes or bring anybody else into our homes. But now, not only is it the, what, fourth day of summer, it is also the time that COVID is abating. We're sitting in the studio right now without masks on because everybody has been inoculated. And it is also a time, I think, that we can look at our outdoors in a way that is different than what we have in the past. And in order to do that, I think thinking about outside our homes is only good if we have the benefit of other people's experience, training, expertise in the things that, uh, no matter what we're doing, but especially in the outdoors of our home. So with us today is Nancy Dubruel Clemente, who you might know, because she's an incredible, passionate garden creator and an advocate, as, as, as the woman that actually created NatureWorks in 1983, an incredible garden and organic gardening education center. And it also, NatureWorks, and Nancy does landscape design, installation and maintenance of plants, and her shop, which is exquisitely beautiful, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, it's on Route 22 up in North Brantford, is a 130-year-old house filled with organic supplies, books, seeds, and just people that know about plants. Nancy Dubruel Clemente, welcome to Homepage Radio. Hello there. How are you? <laughs> I, I'm good. So, so I'm sitting inside my house, uh-oh. looking out the um, op- open door in to the most magnificent scene. My garden is the best it's ever been this year. I can't Amazing. tell you how happy it makes me. 
I feel the same way. I is it you would know more than anyone I know. Is this the best growing season in our lifetimes? It's a good one. We've had that perfect combination of rain and then sun and hot, you know, heat and then sun again. It's a little um, intense in that the swings have been uh, higher than I would like to see. Mm. Like, I really didn't like the heat wave that we had in the middle of May, because mm. if you grow food, you would know that it would make your spinach bolt to seed and do mm. a few weird things. And I'm also noticing, you know, I track what blooms when and what fruits and flowers when, and I'm noticing a lot of things are a couple weeks early. So, hmm. you know, I guess that's going to happen with the way the world is going. But I am seeing, like, I'm eating blueberries already, <laughs> which, which normally I'm, they're not really here yet quite, hmm. you know, and I've already been eating them for three days wow. and, you know, that kind of stuff. Silly things that only a geek like me would notice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, ju you just gave us one of those relationships, eating the blueberries, but I'd like you to pull back because you've dedicated your life really to, for lack of a better word, the landscape. I mean, you, you, you are an out, you're an outdoor geek, like you say, you, you really, you, you've <laughs> devoted yourself to this world that is outside of your walls. If you can, describe just your relationship with your landscape, with your yard. What is your relationship to it? How does it, how does it feed you, cost you? Tell us about how you deal with your garden. Well, um, because I've done this for a living for years and years, um, I use it for many reasons. My original intention in buying this property, I live in Middletown, and I have almost a couple acres, was to grow food, believe mm. it or not, because I've never really had the proper land with enough sun and fertile soil to grow the food that I wanted. So I grow a ton of food. Mm. Um, my landscaping has always been ornamental, mm. flowers and shrubs and trees, but in the past bunch of years, people have started getting into permaculture, which is permanent agriculture, which is growing food integrated into your landscape. Mm. Uh, organic gardening has become more popular, especially with the younger generation. And now because of the pandemic, you know, thousands more people became interested in gardening and nature work. So it was crazy how many new people came mm. in and found it, even though, you know, it, we were masked and all this jazz. So for me, it's about a complete integration of an indoor-outdoor lifestyle. Hmm. Um, every window looks out on a garden. I go outside. I work from home a lot at this stage in my life. I go outside a million times a day. Hmm. I walk the whole property a couple times a day looking at what's new. I sit in a chair and write down notes about things I'm thinking of. I mean, it's just my life and what I do, and it's amazing how it feeds me when i go away i don't see gardens like this unless i purposely visit one and mm. i miss my garden and when i come back i'm so happy to see it even mm. if i'm visiting other gardens i'm like yeah i'm home you know <laughs> it's just it's the fabric of my life mm. and um it it feeds me on every level you know i, I love it calms me down it soothes my soul if i'm in a sad place. It mm. excites me if I'm curious. I, I can just now at this age, I can just sit and watch. Like my husband and I sit on the deck in the evening and we have a glass of wine and by midsummer we call it like our big screen TV nature <laughs> show. Yes. It's just stunning what you see in terms of life. Birds and 
you know, catch up of insects, yeah. and then the dragonflies sweep in, and the hummingbirds come, and mm. the butterflies come, and it's just like, what? You know, it's so alive. <laughs> and I'm not sure most people's yards are like that, because most people don't have as many different diversity of plants that I do, nor are they, you know, paying attention to everything blooming at the same time. When you drive around, you see an awful lot of lawn and yep. not as many flowers as I would like to see, because flowers are everything. Well, well you, you talk about feeding you, an emotional feeding, you know, life mm-hmm. feeding, feasting, your eyes are feasting on things, but you, you, you bought your property in Middletown to grow food, and a lot of people are mm-hmm. are thinking about this and are act, acting on it. If if you if you could, there are people here that are obviously thinking about this right now in their cars, having lunch or something. Tell them the things they need to look at in their own home that would be good or would be bad to create an actual garden that would allow you to eat it. Well, you have to have your soil tested to know what you've got going on. That's the number one thing. Mm. If you live in an older house or in a city environment, you have to have it tested for lead, which you can have done at, at um, UConn. You have to have some degree of sun to grow most food, although mm. there are some plants that will grow in shade or partial shade. You don't need a ton of space anymore. You can come up with a million ways to grow food if you don't have a lot of land. Mm. You also really want to think about your capacity physically. Um, as I get older, I mean, I have a hip and then, you know, all these other things going on. You know, I have a lot of raised beds and containers because it's mm. way easier for me to garden that way. Um, and of course, you know, I think the reason a lot of us have gotten into growing food lately is because at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of stuff was scarce. Mm. But for me, it was because before organic became popular, I wanted control of the food that I grew because right. I know about you know, organic gardening. I was the president of the Organic Farming Association for a while. I was on the board and NOFA, and I know what's going on. So to me, I want control of my food. Yep. And, and I think more and more people are realizing that. Plus, yeah. it just gives, you know, when you grow your own food, it, it makes you pay attention to the cycles of the season. So if you're going to do this, you need to you know, it's a learning curve. You know, a lot of people are starting out and they don't know a lot. You're not born knowing, you know, the difference between a broccoli plant and a tomato plant and one's plant seeds and one's mm. plant plants. Nobody knows this. So it's a learning curve. But you start with something simple and you harvest it and you eat it and you go, uh-oh, I'm hooked. And <laughs> off you go. You know, that's all it takes. Really, I see it every day, every single day. You know, even if it's an herb, a basil plant, a rosemary plant, anything. Yeah. Just anything that you grow and eat and watch and nurture. You like just you would nurture a child. You just you just said something that was really interesting to me. Um, you know, I'm an architect, so I think about buildings all the time, and I also mm-hmm. talk to people about their buildings all the time. Mm-hmm. I about two or three percent of the people that I talk to have the fundamental sense where their home is on the compass coordinates. The compass is not viewed as something that they can understand, use, or whatever. And I think of the compass exactly. coordinates, and 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 I, and I think about that, but I also think about the seasons because they're inextricably derived. Just opine with us the importance of the compass points and see and seasons in your life doing gardens. Well, it's hysterical that you say that because when I do consultations for new homes or new gardens in an old home or whatever. I'll, I'll meet a couple that's been in the house for 20 years, and okay, so I'll say, which way does the sun come up? And they'll argue about it. <laughs> they'll argue about it. They've been there 20 years, right? And, you know, I have to, like, you know, figure it all out myself. It's 
critical. It matters whether what time of day the sun hits the plants. Mm. It's very strong in the afternoon. It's not as strong in the morning. Mm. It matters where you locate your trees. If you put deciduous mm. trees on the south side, they cool your house in the summer, but let light in in the winter. Um, it, it matters. Like, I have a sunset view. Mm. You know, and my kitchen views the sunset. That's like joyful. I like a morning sunrise view in a bedroom. I mean, mm. those are the things that change your relationship with the interior of your house to the exterior of your house. And right. it really does matter. I mean, why should you have to have a room that you like to sit in in the summertime facing blaring south so you have to keep all the shades closed yep. there's no trees out there? Makes no sense. Yep. Makes no sense. So, and as we're trying to all lower our carbon footprint, you know, looking at these things when you're designing a home would, to me, would make tons of sense. And it's wonderful that you say that because I feel the same way. People don't think they put their patio like in that <laughs> afternoon sun with no trees. And then they have to get an umbrella. And then they want to put up a pergola. And it's like, okay, you know, it matters. It really does. The comfort of living outside matters. It it does. And and in these last minutes, I'd like you also to talk about, because again, you're in a unique position as a retailer, literally somebody who is seeing the canaries in the cave of the humans (laughs) that come in to tell you what's on the collective consciousness of our culture. I mean, how do you, how do you see our thoughts evolving in terms of the connection that you definitely have. I mean, you are hooked. It's over for you. You're addicted to inside-outside connection. How do you see our culture changing since COVID-19 in terms of our environment? That was the gift of COVID. One of the gifts of COVID, believe it or not, was Mm. it made people stop and look at their yards and their homes differently. They Mm. were forced to. They may never have done it if they weren't forced to. I mean, I was reading an article about how many people are quitting their jobs and getting jobs where they can continue to work from home. Once their boss says, come back to work, they're like, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I mean, it's changed us all. I mean, for me, it allowed me to work from home and spend more time in my garden. My garden's never been better because, you know, I'm writing and designing from home. I made a foray out during the pandemic with a mask on and said, jobs and then scooted right back and, and you know when you're inside and on a drawing board as you probably know you want to go outside every once in a while mm. get a break for me if i'm writing i go out to get in, re-inspired you know i'm working on a, a talk i'm giving tonight um on on weeds for connecticut heart society and every time i take a break i walk around and i come back in with a new idea <laughs> i mean this is a talk i'm giving tonight this is like you know ridiculous but that's how it works it inspires you and i think it's not going to go back because people get to see what we see as professional gardeners and landscapers every day. Half yep. the time we're in somebody's garden, they're not even home. We're enjoying it more than they're enjoying it. So now they're seeing what we see, and they're stunned, you know, really. Well, Nancy, this has been great, and I really appreciate your time on Homepage Radio, and we'll definitely have you back oh, my again. my pleasure. It's my a pleasure, pleasure to have and you. And yes, we are on Route 22. That's what I thought. <laughs> you got it right. I might see you soon. All right. Yep, so I hope we'll see you at the Garden Center. It's Take great care. to talk to yep. you. And when we come back on Homepage Radio, we're going to talk to an incredible landscape architect, Phil Barlow. Um, but he also is a homeowner. And he does very large things, but he lives in a place just like you and me and Nancy. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Phil Barlow on Homepage Radio, WPKN 89.5 FM. This is Homepage Radio, and today's topic is 
Home Outside. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to Homepage Radio. My name is Duo Dickinson, and this month on Homepage Radio is Home Outside, and that basically deals with the topic of, since we've all been inside for a year, what now? Well, that's a good topic, but it would go completely unaddressed unless WPKN was here. And WPKN would not be here if it wasn't for people calling in or going to the website and saying, you know what, I want to share, I want to share my good fortune at listening to this great thing with whatever resources I can give you. So at 203-331-9756, you can call right now and make a donation. Or you can go to the website, wpkn.org, and there are any numbers of ways you can contribute. And it's especially important because right now, WPKN is going to be moving and has been involved for the last three months really in a construction project and really for another month or two. And as an architect, I can tell you, construction is not free. So we need whatever resources you can give us. And please do call 203-331-9756. Well, on homepage radio for our next guest is going to be someone who has been deeply devoted to the outside world for a very long time. Uh, he, he is Phil Barlow, and he's the founder of, and you know, Phil, forgive me, it's either TO Design or 2Design. I don't know which it is. I'm going to say 2Design and be wrong or right. And he's you the principal. I got it. 2Design. I like it. that. Yes. It's, it's, I like that. It's not the number two. It is actually the verb two or whatever the two is. And it is the firm's, he is the firm's principal in charge. Um, he de- deals with the design issues of public space, public spaces, and he he really leads the schematic design effort and is responsible for you know the making it work. He also is on the Connecticut's board of landscape architects, so he's you know somebody that knows the profession in general, and he's also on the Connecticut State Historic Preservation Review Commission, which is really thinks about our history in buildings and also landscapes. So, Phil. I know that you are truly great in the world of the public world of landscapes, but you know what? Tell us about your own personal relationship with your landscape, your own personal landscape of your home. 
Well, I appreciate it, and that's that's a good question and something I don't get a chance to talk about too often. But um, I have a, a landscape in, in East Haddam. Um, I have a small house on a fairly large landscape, uh, and the landscape is, is where I get my nourishment, uh, my recreation, um, and something that, that takes a lot of my, uh, my mental and, and physical time. But we've developed our landscape um, in a way that kind of melds the indoors with the outdoors. So we have a lot of transitional spaces, and by that I mean covered porches, screened-in porches, which are, you know, as you know, kind of not really indoor or outdoor, but kind of in between and mm. create that transition, but they're also great living spaces. Uh, and then patios. Um, it's nothing fancy. I, I often think that if people came by and saw my landscape and were told a landscape architect lives there, they'd, they'd be... Um, uh, if not disappointed, surprised, but, um, you know, <laughs> but we, 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 I, my wife and I have designed it to be very functional and very mm. usable in, you know, spaces that we can use and not just look at, if you will. Mm. Well, you know, that raises the whole question about use. And I think it also raises the question really about inside, outside in using all of these, you know, openings, portals, porches, where do you see where do you see your own personal ev- evolution? In other words, you, how long have you lived in the home you've lived in? I've, we've lived in this home for, I think, 26 years Yeah, now. there you are. So, yeah, so we've, you know, we, 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 well, we built it, not personally, but we had it built and, and yep. designed it with an architect friend. So, yep. you know, we, we made the house what we wanted. Um, well, that's really fascinating. Of, Tell yeah. us, see, this is really great for everybody to hear. When you've got total control and knowledge, your knowledge of the outside, your friend's knowledge of construction, and you are, you are in effect, standing, standing really between the outside world as it is, the way you would live, and then the inside world the way you'd want it to be. Do you have any recommendations to those having now done it and lived there for 26 years, are there things you could tell people who are thinking about either building something or changing their home? What do you think of the things in terms of the outside you would encourage them to think about? Of course. Um, so I guess the main thing is to you know work with your landscape and your land. Mm-hmm. Um, our house is a, has a walkout basement, so we're, we're on a slope, so we're working with that. Uh, but I think one of the main things about our house and working with the landscape is that we kept uh, most, if not all, of the mature trees around the house. And again, people looking at the house would say the trees are much too close, they're dangerous, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So the knock on wood, they haven't been a problem. But what they do allow us to do uh, is eliminate air conditioning. Uh, right. Our house is not air conditioned. And yeah. we, in the summer today, it's it's wide open. Uh, screen doors, screened in porches. So, you know, the outside truly comes inside. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable maybe two weeks a year, but yep. otherwise it's fine. And a lot of, and that's two reasons. One is the shade from the trees and two is the porches, you know, yep. the, the shade, the porches provide shade uh, on the inside of the house. Yep. Well, uh, I can tell you that, that we built our home 37 years ago and we built both that and our barn without air conditioning. And, Mm-hmm. And we really thought conscientiously about actually creating a place where the sun can come in in the winter and help heat the house. Yes. But we also devoted the entire barn that we have to avoid all of that and only because it's really a summer place and really look at the western the western sunset. Did you think, how did you address the compass points when you designed your house? Yeah, good. Another great question. So we did talk about that pretty, uh, my wife and I, pretty extensively. 
And we decided where we wanted the sun was in the morning. We're yep. both morning people. Uh, and so we orientated the house, again, kind of differently. We skewed it. You know, it doesn't front on the street. It's mm. skewed towards the east. You know, so we do get that morning sun. And, and of course, we do, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but again, somebody looking at our property might look at it and say, "What? Well, you know, what the heck? Did, why did they skew the house? It should be, you know, it should be perpendicular to the street. What's well, yep. something's wrong here?" But uh, no, it's really worked out well for us. Now, you've been there for twenty six years, and and you obviously took total control at the beginning of this whole story. Tell us how this this relationship you have how has that changed over the last decade or two that that how 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 has your perceptions of the outside changed and how have you changed the outside to reflect that yeah i mean i'm not sure our perceptions have changed we had we had a pretty strong vision Mm. of what we wanted and pretty much executed it um and stayed with it um you know that being said you know individual details of the landscape have changed you know plants become too big plants don't thrive and in, in that way, it's become, you know, obviously my profession uh, as a landscape architect is a bit of a laboratory to try out different things and try out different plant material and try out different hardscape uh, yeah. items and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if it's changed, it's, it changes with lifestyle as you, as you perhaps have more time yep. uh, as you get older. You know, you spend more time in the landscape and uh, in the house and, and those things. Well, in this last few minutes, tell us, tell us, you've obviously, like I have, you've used your home as a laboratory for your ideas about design and, and, and creation. Tell us how you think the culture and this last year of COVID, how do you think that's changed the thoughts of the, of all of us around, around us? I mean, all, all of, all of our landscapes. Tell us how you think that's changed in this last year. Sure. And I think it's changed profoundly. My question in my mind is, will, will it stick? So mm. we've all seen in the last year how people have embraced the outdoors or coming back outdoors um, by choice. Um, well, maybe not by choice, but uh, as a reflection of their lifestyles. And it, it reminds me of what happened in the 50s, as, mm. as you know, with the advent of the ranch house yep. uh, and the plate glass windows. I mean, at that time, mm. landscape really changed to be a way of life. Um, you know, before that, landscapes were kind of to look at um, and yep. to observe like a painting. But, you know, with the advent of the ranch house and take glass windows, uh, they're really that separation really was eliminated. Uh, and I'm hoping we'll have another, I'll call it a renaissance like that mm. uh, as we move forward here in the next few years. Hey, Phil, it's been great to have you on Homepage Radio. Thank you so much for being on. It's been fun. Thank you. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk to another unbelievably experienced, thoughtful, and creative landscape person who basically has looked at every scale I can imagine of the outside world and how it relates to architecture. Siobhan Towers, who is truly a giant in her profession and has really, um, I think, thought about things deeply. So when we go back to Homepage Radio, we will talk to Siobhan Towers, landscape architect.
Hey, welcome back to Homepage Radio. My name is Duo Dickinson. I'm an architect. And every fourth Thursday of of each month, uh, WPKN Radio has me on to, for the Homepage Radio show. And we only do Homepage Radio because it's a universal solvent of our cultural condition, our home. It's the lens through which we live, whether it's rented or under a bridge or, or a McMansion somewhere in Fairfield County. We all live in a place. And those places could be think, thought of as places of decoration or style or fad or trend or money-making, but mostly everybody thinks about their home as a, an extension of themselves. And summer's just started in earnest. We've done a ton of planting weeding, some of us, planting and creating. And now we have to sort of sit back and maybe irrigate, maybe not. And we have, after a year of being literally sequestered in our homes under house arrest, we maybe have different ways of thinking about the outside world and our homes. Well, that's the topic of this homepage radio, Home Outside. And if you like that kind of issue, that kind of thought, you won't find it too many places. Um, And one of those places is WPKN. WPKN is an incredible place of community radio, meaning there are no ads and there really aren't even the kind of sponsorships you see on national public radio. It is essentially a place where people like you and me donate to make it happen. And this year, WPKN is leaving the studios I'm in now, going to an incredible new space, which is being renovated. And I donated my time as an architect to make this happen because the value of WPKN is cultural. It's not just you know distraction. It's actually about listening to music you would never hear anywhere else, conversation you wouldn't hear anywhere else. So if you want to keep this radio station alive, please call this number, 203-331-9756, or just go to the website. Because the truth is there are tons of things to look at and, and, and take part of in the website that would really, really help. And having just had the legendary Carl J. Frano say he likes my show, at least I know there's one fan of Homepage Radio. And I'm hoping that you can actually help this, this radio station exist. So selfishly enough, Homepage Radio can exist. Well, Homepage Radio, as I said, was is going to be, is today about our relationship with homes. And Siobhan Towers is an incredible landscape architect. And she now has, in in sort of part two of her career, has is, is opened up the Project Studio. And she creates elegant places that resonate with personal, cultural, and ecological meaning. And her approach is collaborative, thinking about the clients, thinking about how things are done, and revealing the intrinsic character of each site, no matter what it is, And her own words are that she promotes human connections to the beauty and restorative qualities of nature. And she talks about this. She's she's won unending awards in the world of landscape architecture. Siobhan Towers, thank you so much for being on Homepage Radio. Thank you for having me. This is a delight. Well, thank you so much. So in all of this, in all of your years, you obviously, I, I would assume you have a place where you hang your hat, a home. And, and... In your home, tell us about how you and your others, whoever you're affiliated with, all the people that you and your family, tell us about your relationship with the landscape as seen through your home. 
Well, I, I'm actually going to backtrack to Phil and his discussion of the 50s because mm. how I think about my home and how I relate to the landscape actually comes because I grew up in the 50s mm. and I didn't live in a ranch house. I actually lived in a classic mid-century modern house. So mm. it wasn't plate glass windows. It was plate glass or thermopane walls. <laughs> um, and it was a very uh, dramatic house. And I grew up thinking I wanted to be an architect. Mm. And somewhere along the line, I realized that it wasn't the house that I lived with. I lived with what was outside, what I could see outside, because that was what was dynamic. And mm. no matter how dramatic the house was, it was static. And mm. I think that sense of the changing nature uh, of the outside world is part of what drives a lot of what I design and a lot of how I live in my own house. Certainly, mm. I think I'm not unlike lots of other people who, through the pandemic, sat on my window seat looking out mm. all of the time. Yeah. <laughs> because that was my way of escaping the um, house arrest, as you called it. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't heard it described this way before, probably because I'm stupid, but I think it's fascinating to think about the natural world in general as really not a metaphor. It's actually the subsuming ocean of reality of change that we can't avoid. We're part of this natural world change from the moment we're born to the moment we die. And that that idea that there is change in the world, whether or not we control it or not, what I find fascinating about, you know, working on my own house for 37 years and planting 37, I wouldn't call them gardens, places, they're things, planting, plant, planting the, these things and watching things grow and die is the fact that, you know, you and I as designers try to control things. But we also, if we're not stupid, and I think, I know you're not, and I know that I may be, we have to accommodate change because we can't control it. Tell us about tell us about your relationship with your home in terms of what could be controlled and what could not be controlled. Well, you're right. Designers do like to control. It's by definition what we do. Um, and so I think designing part of what we're doing is saying, this is the part I want to change. This is the part mm. I want to control. Uh, and I think part of what happens to most people when they think about their yard or how to landscape it uh, is that the control takes over mm. uh, or the desire for control, which is why so many plantings and certainly foundation plantings are evergreen. Mm. Um, and then people just think about perennials as what adds to the color. And an evergreen landscape doesn't change as much as a deciduous one. Mm. So I would advocate for thinking about designing for change. Obviously, things are going to grow, things are going to die, things um, do better than you think they're going to or not as well as. And part of a, a garden, by definition, is having to adjust to those changes and things you hadn't anticipated. And uh, I 
No, no garden is set in stone. It, it's uh, made to be changed over over time. But you should design anticipating that. It's why I love adding as much extension to the season. So early spring bulbs are very oh. late perennials. It's yeah. not a garden that's going to be perfect in June and middle of June, maybe, and the other 50 weeks of the year, it just looks the same. Mm. Um, so it's part of how I think about planting. It's also think part of how I think about where to plant or what to focus on. And to cycle back to this last year sitting inside, I think one of the ways to start to think about what you want your yard to look at is to see where it is you spend the most time looking out. Oh. And it may be the prototypical kitchen window, but maybe it's a window seat in a study, or maybe it's out of specific day window in the living room. But that one-point perspective is probably where the lawn, or I mean, the, the yard is going to have its greatest impact on how you live your life within the house. And it's okay to design for a single-point perspective. There you go. Um, there are lots of gardens that have been. Well, here's a... You, you say this, and I, I resonate it with it completely, because there's certain tableaus that you sort of create when you create a building and, and you anticipate what they're going to be. And and over my time living where I've designed and, and evolved, I've been shocked and amazed at my almost thrill over the volunteers that happen, meaning the weeds or the plants that are indigenous just sort of happen. And, and, it, and some of them happen... From a tiny little thing you plant, they go insane. I, I, we live on a salt marsh, and edging the salt marsh, I planted six wild oats plants 20 years ago. Six. They've gone crazy, and they've taken over the entire northern border of one part of my site, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Do you, are you are you this sort of plants person? Plant you know, it used to be called a plantsman, but that's are you the sort of plant person that likes volunteers, or are you don't like volunteers or if you have volunteers the the things that just happen whether you plant them or not how do you deal with them adjust to them uh, well it's that's me you're asking me as a gardener as opposed to me as a designer yes that is correct as a designer i don't get to control no. <laughs> um what people are going to do for maintenance over the next 37 years right um <laughs> But um, I wish I did. Uh, but as someone who's lived in the same place for 33 years, wow. I can say that I do view weeding as a, a creative art um, in a way <laughs> all of the time yeah. about, is this what I want? Do I want mm. to extend this? Obviously, this is doing much better than the plants that I thought we're going to do well here. Right. I should work with what's working. Yeah. Uh, and it, you end up with a much gentler um, landscape that's actually much less maintenance yeah. if you're working with plants that are happy. And if you're lucky and you've done your research um, and the conditions are right, maybe those are the ones you planted originally, like your sea oats, and we let them go. Um, and sometimes it's just, a volunteer, truly a volunteer that's taken over and you think, oh, that's not so bad. Let me... 
It's amazing. Uh, so it is. It's fun. Well, you know, th- this raises another point, which which is this phrase that came out, I think, thirty years ago. Maybe it was older than that. The phrase, quote unquote, naturalizing, which is in a way anti-design what we do it's sort of like allowing you're sort of setting up a condition where you create growth and it grows into the landscape uh has has that been part of your home's evolution that sort of naturalizing process uh inevitably yes you've removed some things so other things move in to take the mm. place of uh, in that void and and then as i could say i you can work with it so the a uh, slightly boggy swale area that's suddenly <laughs> sprouting ferns, you think, oh, the ferns are happy. So you tear other things away, and then the ferns spread. And on all of a sudden, you do, in fact, have a natural landscape, uh, and it's the plants that like to be there. Yeah. Um, I, now, there's another controversy that I would, I would actually value your opinion more than anybody that I know about. There's this whole... And it's, Adam wouldn't call it religious, but there's this whole intensity around eliminating lawns, that lawns should not exist because of the energy it takes to control them, the amount of the, that a lot of people, not me, but a lot of people do to fertilize them, irrigate them, control them, mow them, carbonize the atmosphere with the mowing aspects. We're, we're, what do you think of, of essentially eliminating lawns? Well, I think in theory, it's a lovely idea. Uh, in practice, they're actually quite practical, mm. um, especially in a residential setting for a lot of activities that we'd like to have. There are very few things that will take the amount of foot traffic mm. that it, a lawn well, and if you have children, you want a place to go through it, play catch. But I think that lawns as a default um are problematic. They're certainly, from an installation standpoint, the least expensive yeah. thing you can do. From a long-term maintenance standpoint, they're actually one of the most expensive yep. things you can do, especially if you really want a, the perfect green lawn. Mm. Um, so I like to think of lawns as, uh, let's see, functionally driven to a large degree, mm. uh, but also as positive design spaces. Usually, lawns are what are left after somebody puts in the patio or the plant beds or the fence and the planting in front of it. But the actual form and function of the lawn, its uh, shape and proportion aren't actively considered, and it they should be because it becomes part of the scale-setting schema for the whole residential complex. One last question before before a final... It's a design tool, yeah. One last question before I ask you one final question. I I came up with this thought about 10 years ago, and it it might be heresy after a year of living in sweatpants. I mean, everybody has lived in sweatpants the last year. I think of Pacassandra as the sweatpants of gardening. Uh, Do you agree or disagree with me? Ah, well, it may be in the shade. Yes, um, of it course. doesn't work so well in the um, sun, and uh, 
once it's there, it's, it's there. hard to get rid of. So I don't know if you're wearing Schweppes pants as, as you're speaking, but if you, it were Pachysandra, you'd still have them on. Um, and pretty much I do. So, so I, before we go, I just would like your quick take on really how has our how have our attitudes changed after covid because it really is after covid now how do you think our attitudes about the lawn and our the, the lawn the landscape in our homes how have they changed in this last year oh i think there's a far greater appreciation um in general and a far greater desire to get out uh and be uh, in the garden whether that's growing um your fruits and vegetables or whether it's sitting on your porch looking out or just mm. actually doing the gardening. Uh, I think the restorative nature of uh, the landscape is just so much more important. And having done a lot of work in hospital settings, I can say that, that we all needed that therapeutic garden and the mm. view out into nature to get us through this past year. And I hope we don't lose that. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Siobhan, and I hope to have you back. Thank you so much. Siobhan Towers is a landscape architect at at something called The Project Studio. So thank you, Siobhan, for being on Homepage Radio. So Homepage Radio does come on once a month. It is a place that um, is universal in the way it addresses every person listening because every single person has a home. And every single person basically listens to something during the day, whether it's on the computer or on television, they are, you are listening. If you want to listen to things like this and the incredible Carl J. Frano that follows me with yet more disco music, um, please, please call 203-331-9756. That's 203-331-9756. 9756 and please donate what you can or just go to the website so this is duo dickinson this is homepage radio and i'll be back in a month and i want to thank you for listening to wpkn 89.5 fm and please donate thank you very much